0: Welcome to this week's Daily Info Oxcast. It is Wednesday the 21st of October and that was Co Pilgrim, who we'll be talking about a little bit later in the podcast. I'm here with Katie and Mike.
1: Hello. Hey
0: guys. Hello. And today I'm going to be talking about owls and artists.
1: I've got serial killers, screws and songs for imaginative people.
0: Goalposts, goddaughters and gore. Start us off with the Oxford fact though, Katie.
2: It's been 65 years since the publication of Narnia, so I thought I'd give you some C.S. Lewis facts. Oh, nice.
1: Oh,
2: that's cool. So, The the Witch, and the Wardrobe has sold over 100 million copies in 47 languages across the world. Not bad. Uh, Not bad at all. But did you know that C.S. Lewis destroyed his first draft? On oh, purpose? No. On purpose. So, he received quite uh, scathing reviews from his friends uh, in the Englands. Yeah. That was in 1947, but he persevered... And he tried it again in 1949 on Tolkien. And again, Tolkien didn't really (laughs) like it. (laughs) There's sort of debate about why Tolkien didn't like it. Some say that it was because Tolkien didn't like how Lewis was mixing up lots of mythologies. um, And others are saying that Tolkien felt threatened by the speed in which Mm. C.S. Lewis created his Mm. world. Whereas Tolkien was so meticulous with his Middle Earth.
1: Yeah, well, the Tolkien thing was interesting because... Tolkien never really meant to publish, he never really meant to write it. He created the whole fantasy world with his wife, and it was kind of this crazy thing that he sort of imagined and half-lived in. Wow. Yeah, So, um, and then the books kind of came out of it. He was eventually pressured into publishing, that's kind of what I heard. That's the myth, anyway.
2: Cool. So we will never actually know the details as to why Tolkien didn't really like it. Tolkien said in a letter, "'It is sad that Narnia and all that part of C.S. Lewis's work should remain outside my range of sympathy.' as much of my work was outside his. So it's interesting that their two worlds sort of collided as it was. The character Lucy in the books um, is based on Lewis's goddaughter who was called Lucy Bartfield and she was four when he started writing the books and by the time he'd finished, it was ten years later, she was Mm fourteen. So in his dedication to her, he said, Someday you'll be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. You can then take it down from some upper shelf, dust it and tell me what you think. <laughs> so, that was quite That's quite nice. nice And finally, the sort of sad one When C.S. Lewis died His death wasn't really reported in the newspaper Any guesses why?
1: Because he never died
2: Because <gasps> his, his name? Not quite, it's sort of sadder than that oh dear. His The day of his death coincided with the assassination of JFK um, So yeah, it didn't mm,
0: really get reported Upstaged Indeed.
1: Yeah. I actually have a slightly more fun C.S. Lewis fact <laughs> To make you feel better about the books in Merton College, there's a stone table in the big garden at the back, oh. and it's kind of yeah. Again, the legend is that that was inspired the stone table in *Light of the Witch and Wardrobe*. Cool.
2: Mm. There are your C.S. Lewis themed
0: Oxford facts. Go to the uh, Eagle and Child to celebrate. <laughs> <for a pint. laughs> Now just before we go on to the events for the week, a couple of announcements about uh, some new stuff we put up on the website. So we've got a fireworks page, a fireworks competition and a Halloween page uh, that have all recently gone live. With the fireworks competition, all we want is a little haiku about a fireworks or a bonfire night that you've been to before. And you can win tickets to the Roundtable Fireworks in South Park. We've got six pairs of tickets and four family parties to give away to lots and lots of winners, so make sure you enter that. On the fireworks information page we've got a list of as many of the bonfire nights and fireworks nights that we can find in Oxford that are happening, so you can find the nearest one to you. But if there are any that we've missed, do please send us an email and we'll put it straight up on the page. And before we get to fireworks, of course we've got Halloween and we've got a Halloween page with some fun facts about the seasonal time as well as a list of loads of events. Very many for Halloween mm, that are happening in around good. Oxford. Yeah. So yeah, take a look. There's a link to the competition on our homepage. And there's lots to look forward to in next week's Halloween special, Oxcast.
2: Mm. <laughs> I'm hoping lots of sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes.
1: <laughs> right, so on to this week. Uh, we've got lots of great stuff on. Um, I've got an event called the Serial Killer Formula, which all and Katie are both very much looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is run by Science Oxford, which, don't know, it, it came up a few weeks ago in the podcast, didn't it? And yeah, it's this charitable organisation in Oxford that promotes public understanding of science and they have talks and events. And there's this kind of roadshow that's been going around over the last couple of weeks. If you're coming down the Cali Road and saw a guy running around with a dog skull in his hand, I think that was part of it. Uh, I did not see that, no. (laughs) Yes, so this is a talk. They've had it before, but um, they're rerunning it because it's so popular. It's given by Dr Steve Lacombe of uh, Queen Mary College in London. And he's this biologist that specialises in epidemiology and spatial patterning and things. And he's been really interested in this serial killer formula. It's this American thing. It's called Rosmo's formula. And you kind of collect loads of data about like the movements of criminals, really. You say, oh, well, he's gone and got a coffee in this shop and, oh, he, he bought some pasta from Tesco. He's kind of basically
0: thing. hunted, but at the mm. old fire station. <laughs> if anyone watched the that Channel 4 TV show recently... You're going to want to go to this Yes, I'm desperate
1: to go. Steve LeCombri is talking about the formula and his applications of it. There's also a really exciting interactive part. When you book your tickets, you send in your shopping receipts from two weeks before. And then Mm -hmm. the organisers nominate someone in the audience to be a serial killer. And then Steve has to put all the data into his uh, formula. And it'll come out with, hopefully, the killer. And then it will point you out and send you to jail they don't
2: send you to jail it's been confirmed
1: (laughs) um yeah so it sounds really exciting and that's at the old fire station on thursday at eight in the evening and it's eight pounds five pounds concessions and if you want to hear more it was in the oxcast extra from the 16th of september
2: Something less murdery now. (laughs) If you're a massive fan of Ed Sheeran, you're not going to want to miss this. His debut concert film, Jumpers for Goalposts, Multiply Tour, which is being screened at the Odeon in George Street and The View on Thursday at 6.30. So this is a showing of his debut film from his performance at Wembley Stadium in July this year in front of 80,000 people. (sighs) That's a lot. That's a lot
0: of people to stand in front of when it's just a guy with a guitar, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's pretty scary, I imagine. <laughs> and this film includes red carpet highlights and exclusive live performance before the showing of the film. The film itself will feature performances from Ed at Wembley and also behind-the-scenes footage on his journey to stardom and his reflections
0: on his rise to fame. I watched the trailer for this, and in one of the interviews he was just talking about how he was like hanging out with Jay-Z and Beyonce. and <laughs> So casual. I know, it was amazing. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> He must find it really surreal. I know that is totally yeah. surreal.
1: Well, he has, he's rocketed to success really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but... he's friends with Beyonce. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you guys have a favourite Ed Sheeran song? Thinking out loud was a big tune from around the end of last year. Reminds me of, of like New Year's time. Oh, that's
2: good. When I worked in the shop, we had this album basically on repeat, <laughs> so I know Multiply very, very well, and I <laughs> now love it <laughs> because of that. Is that
1: what it's called? I thought it's it was called- just called X. No,
2: because I- no, the first one was Plus. Oh, uh, ah,
1: cool. I like the maths theme. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so if you are a massive Ed Sheeran fan, check out Jumpers for Goalposts, the Multiply tour at the Odeon and George Street, and view on Thursday at 630
1: on a different note, there are two performances of some Britain works this week. So that's Benjamin Britten, the um, famous British composer who, kind of mid-20th century, very, very famous. It's a coincidence completely that there are two events this week, but it's a very happy coincidence, I think. <laughs> uh, the first one is The Turn of the Screw. So this is his opera, and it's based on the Henry James ghost story, which oh. is, you know, that very famous uh, classic gothic stuff, which is this remote house called Bly and two children and lots of ghosts. And it's great. It's really chilling. Britain's adaptation, the opera, is suitably you know, challenging and chilling mm-hmm. to go with it. It's kind of permeated by this 12-tone screw theme, which is deliberately obvious. Um, it's got variations, but that means there's this tension between, because it's 12-tone, there's this dissonance and Britain's kind of more coherent tonality that makes it really, really interesting and really works well with the whole chilling well, ghost nature.
0: 12-tone screw? Yeah.
1: So there are 12 notes in a scale, in a chromatic scale, mm-hmm. and 12-tone series use all the notes they'll choose an order at the start. So the screw theme is a specific 12-tone series that's variations between each scene. Okay. Yeah, so it's very cool. Okay. (laughs) So Peter Grimes is his most famous opera and there's such good evocation of landscape in it because it's about the Norfolk coastline where Britain was very, very happy. And so with this big gothic house in turn of the screw, I assume there's going to have to be a similarly challenging presentation of edifice which is going to be really good, I think. And it's being put on by a company called Faded Ink Productions. They're sort of young mu- singers and musicians from around the Oxford area and largely students. And they have lots of members from Scola Cantorum, which is, you know, this fantastic student choir in Oxford. And they put on a production of La Coronazione di Popea last year and it was fantastic. Really, really good stuff. I mean, these singers, are, yeah, they're going to, going to do well, I think. So this should be really, really good. And it's also starring two local children as the kids in it. So that will be fun. And the second one, which I'm much more excited about, Noah's Flood, which is written about the same time, but it's completely different. It's kind of this big stage work and it's very, very famous. A lot of people who grew up in the 70s and 80s will remember putting it on as the Christmas play in, uh, <laughs> in primary school, I'd imagine. And it's kind of aimed at amateurs and children to create community music. And it's based on, obviously, the story of Noah's Flood and the Ark and stuff. But it's really cleverly written. So you have this quartet of professional musicians and all the lead roles usually, or back in the day, were done by professionals. But then you have an enormous amateur orchestra that have really simple parts. Then you have a recorder ensemble (laughs) and then like a handbell ensemble. (laughs) And you have this big children's choir and amateur choirs and it's just written for children. It's amazing. And it's kind of got this whole idea of community music going on. It And one of my old teachers used to have this photo when she put it on in the 70s or 80s of um, this little girl on the handbell part. Um, And she's looking really intensely at a piece of music and is concentrating really hard, and the music's just upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this performance has got children from all of Oxford's twin cities. So that's um, Leiden, Bonn, Grenoble, Perm and Oxford. And the orchestra is the orchestra of St John's, who are pretty good. So it's going to be huge, and I'm really jealous of all the kids that are in it, actually. Um, So it's going to be good fun. That is on Thursday at University Church... Um, and on Friday at the Town Hall. And Turn the Screw is at St John the Evangelist Arts uh, from Thursday to Saturday.
0: And at the weekend, the Big Draw Festival is going to be on nationally. But the O3 Gallery and the Oxford Castle are hosting the Big Chalk uh, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, This is at the castle. Now, this is where they are encouraging people to come along between two and four o'clock and you're basically given a load of chalk and they want you to draw your Oxford story on the paving stones of the, um, of the prison yard. And then every half hour, there will be free storytelling from costumed tour guides. So we're cool. going to be dressed up as characters <laughs> from the thousand year history of, um, of the castle. And the weather's actually looking pretty OK as well. I, I was a, just
2: about to ask. <laughs> yeah,
0: it looks like early in the afternoon, it should be OK. Maybe towards the end of the afternoon, The talk might get washed away with a bit of rain, but hopefully Mm. it will hold out till after the event. But yeah, it's two till four o'clock. It's totally free and talk is provided. Cool. Now, Co Pilgrim, who you heard at the beginning of the Oxcast, they have got a gig on Saturday. So thanks to them for lending us a bit of their music today. Um, Their gig is going to be at the Bullingdon and they're going to be playing tracks from their upcoming album, Slows to Go, with support from Shapes and Paul McClure. And uh, it starts at seven and tickets are seven pounds. Their album was released last Friday. You can buy it online. You can probably buy it at the gig as well. I think it's a really good autumnal music, actually. It's kind of folky, indie, and just warming. Mm. Um, it'd be a lovely gig to go along to. Like roast to. chestnuts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's Saturday, 7 o'clock at the Billington on Kelly Road.
1: To find out more about gigs and lots of concerts and all events in Oxford, check out our events listings on the Daily Info website.
0: If you're in need of some goalposts, maybe we've got some on our sports page. And do make sure you get your plans ready for Halloween by checking out our Halloween page and enter our competition by just writing a few words of a haiku. So it
2: seems to be a week of anniversaries, it seems. Apparently lots of things happen in October, including my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> <Happy> birthday. <laughs> and Mike's birthday. No. <laughs> um, unfortunately, this one's a bit of a sad one. The Ashmolean Museum and the St John's College Chapel are teaming up to commemorate the Battle of Agincourt. It's the 600th anniversary of the battle, and this is happening on Sunday, starting at 10am until 5pm, when it costs £20. Now, do you know much about the Battle of Agincourt? Tell us. So, the Battle of Agincourt was a famous victory for the English against the French during the Hundred Years' War. How long do you think the Hundred Years' War actually lasted? Seven years. Any guesses?
1: It is seven years, isn't it? Or was it eleven? No. Five?
2: No. It's... 115! 116! You're so close! This victory was particularly glorious because of the small numbers of English troops there. So, the English are estimated to have between 6,000 to 9,000 soldiers. The majority of them were longbow archers and only one-sixth were knights and they didn't really have any horses. Compared with the French forces, which were estimated to be between 12,000 and 36,000 soldiers. Wow. So... It's not looking good, (laughs) (laughs) but the English have tactics on their side. So they choose to pitch the battle on this recently ploughed field surrounded by a dense forest. So they're at one end and they get their longbowmen ready and they have spikes ready for the French. It's pretty horrible stuff happening. Mm. And obviously the French come forward and attack and they're stuck in the mud. Literally, it's estimated that they were slowed down by 70%. So you can imagine these French soldiers in really heavy armour trying to make their way through the mud, power through to attack the English.
1: I love statistics like that, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) because it's obvious that someone's just tried it out.
2: There was a TV show, I can't remember what TV show, but they actually tested it out, and that's how it's estimated. And so they were stuck down in the mud, and basically the English hacked them down, or shot them, or attacked their horses... Some of them suffocated because they were so closely packed together. Mm. It was pretty grim. Pretty bad. (laughs) So only 112 of the English army died, compared with 7,000 to 10,000 of the French. So a very decisive victory by Henry V. An interesting little tidbit. Apparently the night before battle, when the men would usually be making peace with God or drinking too much (laughs) (laughs) to calm their nerves those are the two options two (laughs) options you could combine them Um, he made them be silent and if anyone talked he had their ears chopped off (gasps) so yeah he was quite serious about winning this (laughs) So the commemoration will have talks by leading historians, extracts from Shakespeare's play Henry V, performed by the Simple Eight Theatre Company and medieval music at the chapel. Historians featured include myth-busting Stephen Cooper, Rowena Archer, who specialises in women during the Hundred Years' War, Malcolm Vale and Emma Smith. So basically you're split between two locations, the Ashmolean and St John's Chapel, and you sort of go back and forth throughout the day. So that's the Agincourt commemoration starting at the Ashmolean on Sunday at 10am. Tickets are £20. Pounds. Do you have to go along for the whole lot? I
1: can't imagine. I imagine why you, you wouldn't can... want
0: to. <laughs> I imagine else. you could sneak out. Yeah. <laughs> for some a bit more contemporary theatre, at the Pegasus on Sunday, there's going to be a festival of shorts. Um, these are short plays written by the Young Pegasus Writers Group, who are aged between 11 and 25 and they've been working with the artistic director, Jonathan Lloyd, to polish the scripts ready for an evening of presenting them as rehearsed readings. So there's going to be a wide variety of styles of performance, and it's a chance to see some innovative and -and up-and-coming writers, which I think is always really exciting to do, and it's really easy to go along and see plays that are already established, like go and see The Tempest at the Playhouse this week or something, but it's always really nice to go and see something new and contemporary and fresh uh, so it only costs a fiver as well three pounds concessions it's sunday from 6 30 it's going to be two hours including an interval um that's at the pegasus theater
2: i love going to see shorts <laughs> i really enjoy them because <laughs> you never know what
0: what you're going to see it's I love watching short films as well. I think yeah. I I like it when they put a short film in front of a full feature yes. in the cinema. It's always great.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's quite a, it's a more intense experience because it's like if you look at a short story, a lot of pe- writers complain that short stories are really difficult and really tiring because it's like writing the start of a novel. You have to set the mood really quickly and mm-hmm. establish the characters really quickly in very few words. So, short plays and films are like that really.
0: Yeah, I love watching films that are like only two minutes long, and somehow a whole story has managed to be told in that as yeah. well. Yeah. Incredible.
1: Um, so you might remember back in 2010, Darwin D's. Uh, he had a couple of big hits, uh, Constellations and Radar Detector. Um, I've
0: got a Darwin t-shirt from back then. <laughs> <laughs> Aller
1: is a super fan. <laughs> uh, but he's just released a new album and is currently touring the UK with it. And he is coming to visit uh, Oxford on Monday. I talked to Darwin about his new album. What are you trying to do with it? What's, what's your aim? The aim is to please, really. The aim on the last record from 2013, Songs for Imaginative People, was more to explore and to please myself in the with the process of writing music once again and reward myself for touring for a year and a half on <laughs> 10 songs or something. So, yeah, that was, I think, was needed, but I don't think it was as much appreciated right away by people. I think it's, I honestly think it's like my Pinkerton, because I think the songs are great. It's just that they're not as immediate. They're not as... Like it's really different, you know, from my first record, which is more like the blue album, and so this one is the green album. This one, if you're continuing with the Weezer, uh, <laughs> this one is the you know slightly just return to form and three minute pop songs like you wanted. If you want to hear more about Darwin's funky dance moves, then check out the Oxcast Extra.
0: And who wouldn't? <laughs> and you're going along on Monday, aren't you? I'm going along. <laughs>
1: I'll be right at the front.
0: Teen. Now next week is half term so I've got a couple of family friendly but also kind of open to everyone else if you're interested events. And they're all involving animals. So the first one on Tuesday is at Harcourt Arboretum where they're having an owls for October day. Where you can learn about barn owls and get involved in owl related and autumnal crafts. Uh, That's one till four and that's free at the Arboretum. Then at Barefoot Books also on Tuesday 10.30 to 11.30 in the morning is Jonathan's Jungle Roadshow. Um, this one might be more for children maybe not anyone can go along Um, but it's a chance to meet some reptiles and invertebrates and that costs £10 very exciting and then also kind of related to this the last Friday of every month at the Bear Inn in the centre of Oxford weekly birds of prey come and visit with a selection of their birds it's totally free you go along from about 5 o'clock I think they're there and you can meet some of the birds and like hold a barn owl sometimes bring an eagle owl or a kestrel and a peregrine falcon and things like that it's really cool I've been a couple of times Uh, yeah so make sure you go to that that one's going to be on 30th of october at the bear
2: is there any uh invertebrate or reptile you wouldn't hold
1: cockroaches you're a bit i yeah, yeah. Mm, i hate yeah,
2: cockroaches.
0: No, big
1: madagascan cockroaches. ones that they always have
0: oh, i really hate them <laughs> we went to crocodiles of the world reasonably recently in burford that was really fun we got to like stroke a monitor lizard that was older than me oh. <laughs> and I got inside one of the crocodiles. The, <laughs> one of the crates they use for transporting the crocodiles. Oh, wow. Was, oh, yeah, cool. So I'm not sure I was supposed to get in it. <laughs>
2: Did you feel comfortable?
0: It was all right. <laughs> they have loads of crocodiles. It's like loads mm-hmm. of... Diff- I didn't realise how many different types of crocodile they
1: have. It's not a story. Like, it was just some guy who... He got a crocodile by accident. Like, some zoo had to get rid of it, so he said, I'll oh, we'll take it in. And he just went mad for crocodiles oh. and decided to serve a sanctuary.
0: Yeah, he set it up originally in like an uh, industrial park, <laughs> and then he got too many crocodiles, and then he <laughs> successfully bred a load of crocodiles. Wow. Three different species of crocodile, which like nowhere else in Europe has managed to do. Ooh. And so he's had to move into bigger premises and barefoot. Expanding all the time.
2: <laughs> I don't think we'll have any crocodiles on our pets page, but we have some very interesting animals
1: for more updates about Oxford and what we're doing, check out our social media pages. So that's Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at DailyInfoOxford.
0: Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever service you use. So you make sure you get it to your device every week. And to play it out, again, it's Pilgrim. You can catch them at their gig at the Bullingdon on Saturday. Watching all the worries like a say a sooth. I would fight to wear it.